Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ. I'm your host, Will Hunsaker, and our episode today has us opening our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. Now here, Paul expresses his delight and humility in being afforded the honor, by God's grace, of revealing the mystery of Christ to the Gentiles. So right to the text here, beginning in verse 7 from the Apostle Paul. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages by God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Ephesians 3, 7 through 13. So right away, Paul reminds us that he became a servant of the gospel by grace and power of God alone. Nothing else. This is the ever-present perspective of Paul. It's what Martin Luther calls the theology of the cross. The cross was always front and center with Paul. Now, he further emphasizes his amazement with all this that God has even chosen him to be an ambassador to the Gentiles. He can't believe it. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. That's verse 8. Now, we can't help at this point to be drawn to an account given in Acts 9 of Paul, who was then called Saul. He was a, a committed persecutor and murderer of Christians with authority to do so from the Jewish high priest. On the road to going to Damascus one day, he's going to persecute more Christians. He encountered the risen Lord, and he was struck down by a brilliant light that blinded him and told by Jesus to enter the city and to wait. Now, I'm, I'm really compressing all this into a quick summary. Jesus would, of course, heal him three days later. And I would encourage you to read this portion of Acts at least. So Jesus had healed him three days later and and chose him as his instrument to bring the gospel, the good news of God, about Jesus to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And he added, you will suffer greatly for my name. So Paul was a sinner of sinners. He he calls himself the least of all the saints. And he calls himself a sinner of sinners in in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, Verse 15, he showed really the least amount of promise at this point for a Christian. He had enormous debt in sin. He was a murderer and a persecutor and a torturer and really should have been made the lowest in any privilege from God. 
Yet, that day, on the road to Damascus, God chose to save him through his son for one purpose, to preach to the nations. Paul was both amazed at this and delighted by God's grace to the point where it was incomprehensible to him, the mystery of Christ. He says, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's verse 8. He said it was unsearchable. Folks, all believers have had their moments like Paul on the road to Damascus. Now, we all know that it was nowhere near as dramatic as his, but we've all had it. We all were converted. A conversion took place. It had to because we were dead in our sins. God poured his grace upon Paul that day. He just poured it out and he does the same for us. And Paul was so delighted in this that he knew his past. Paul saw the magnitude of his sins and their effect clearly for the first time that day. He saw his sins, his sins, just as God saw them, and it pulled him to Christ. This is what happens to us. His mind was changed. We call this repentance. That's what it literally means in Greek, a change of mind. But guess what? The dead can't change their mind about anything. And we were dead in sin, just like Paul was. God acted to pull him to Christ. Paul delighted in this. Our repentance, our change of mind, and faith go hand in hand. They're both acquired only by the grace of God. Now, these next two verses, 9 and 10, almost always bring some unnecessary debate among believers as to who these references to rulers and authorities are. Because Paul says, and to bring to light, talking about the the gospel now, his, his commission to the Gentiles, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God, who created all things. He's talking about his sovereignty. So that through the church, okay, the body of Christ, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That's verses 9 and 10. A lot of controversy on that. Everybody wants to pick out those rulers and authorities and make a big deal out of that. Remember, context is always king when reading the Bible. Paul's already proclaimed in Ephesians 1, verses 20 and 21, that Christ is seated in authority above all rule and authority and power and dominion now and in the future. He's already seated above all of that. So the purpose of verses 9 and 10 are to emphasize that God, in his sovereign power, is using the church, the body of Christ, to display his glory to all of creation here on earth and in heaven. He wants everyone to see what he's doing. Paul emphasizes this point further in the very next verse. Verse 11, he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Verse 11. So what is God's eternal purpose? We've talked about it. 
His eternal purpose, written all through Scripture, is his plan that he made in eternity past, that he, he predetermined, Father, Son, and Spirit, to redeem his people. This plan of redemption is so amazing that God has put his church on display before all creation as a testimony to his glory. This is what Paul is delighting in. It's humbling him beyond belief, and he can't believe this is even going on. The hosts of heaven are no doubt looking at the church and questioning, how did God bring together all these filthy, rotten corpses of sin into one spiritual body so that they could gain access to his pure holiness and glory? How in the world is he doing this? Well, Paul says, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, this verse is 11 and 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So while we were still dead in our sins, Christ died for us. This is what delighted Paul. This is the mystery that has been real, this, uh, revealed. This is the grace that delighted Paul so much and humbled him. The mystery revealed. For by grace, this is, Paul wrote this back in chapter two, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's a one we'll never forget. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, put that to memory. This is what delighted Paul, and it should delight us every day. Our perspective should be just like Paul's. Christ is at the center of all things. So I'll end here. I'll say to you now what Paul said to the Ephesians in verse 13. He said, don't lose heart. Now, of course, Paul was talking to them specifically about his suffering in prison for the cause of Christ, which he emphasizes what was for their glory. So he said, don't lose heart. What's happening to me is for you. Today, of course, we're to look at Christ. And that's what Paul was emphasizing as well, but he was using himself as an example. We're to look at Christ and his suffering and what he did and rest in him so as not to lose heart. We lose heart if we put things too much emphasis on what we do. We put all the weight on ourselves. We're sinners and saints simultaneously. Rest in Christ so as not to lose heart, Paul said. That's the perspective, because it is Christ that set aside the glory of heaven to walk in the world of men for you. He was born of a virgin for you, raised as a Jew for you, was baptized for you. He wandered in the desert for 40 days without food for you, was tempted by Satan in every conceivable way. At his weakest moments, in, in thirst and hunger and fatigue, he did all of that for you. He taught in the synagogues where, by the way, they hated him for you. He was betrayed for you. He sweat blood. Such anxiety filled him before his death on the cross that he sweat blood for you. He was 
spit on, ridiculed, beaten, whipped, and flayed to the bone for you. He was sentenced to the most horrible death imaginable by man for you. His hands, now just think about this, his hands and feet were nailed to a cross for you and hung there for you. A spear was driven into his heart for you. He saved a thief hanging next to him for you. He was buried in a tomb for you. He was resurrected by the power of God for you. He returned to heaven in all his glory for you. And now he is seated at the right hand of God with all power and authority over all things for you. And one day he's coming back for you. Folks, you can do nothing to earn, validate, or maintain what he has already done for you. So don't lose heart and rest in him. Thank you for listening. Now, next up on Open Your Bibles, we will ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, where we will read of the supreme power of the love of Christ. Grace and peace. Remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then.